My name is Cheryl Broom, and I'm the senior pastor here at Holotus Hills United Methodist Church, and we are Disciples of Christ. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Just a few quick reminders. This is our new Connect card. It's a green card in front of you in the pews. If you have a change in any of your information, telephone, email address, things like that, would you let us know so that we can get our newsletter and things to you? Also on the back of this form is a prayer request form. If you'll fill that out and put it in the offering plate as it goes by, our prayer team will be meeting together. We will pray over every single request. So be sure and fill that out. You might also notice these envelopes are for, uh, in, in the event you would like to purchase an Easter plant, we'll have those here during Easter time and you can sponsor or do it in somebody's memory or honor and then after the Easter service, take it home plant it in your garden, whatever you'd like to do. These are available for you. I think that's it. Anything else? Oh, one more thing. We have brand new acoustic tiles in the fellowship hall to help us to be able to hear better when we're in that big room. So go in there and scream and shout and enjoy these tiles. If you would like to sponsor said tiles, um, they're $65 each and just write a check that says acoustic tiles, and we will put that towards the tiles. We've purchased 16, and I hear we need at least six more, and they're $65 each. We love them. I hope you love them too. So now let us go before the Lord and worship. I highly re recommend those tiles. We just had Sunday school in there, and they're terrific. My name is Gene Sprague. I'll invite you now to stand in body or spirit as we welcome the light of Christ. Will you join me as we read from Psalm 22, verses 22 through 30? Uh, you'll find it in the Pew Bibles on page uh, number 490. I will be reading from the Amplified Bible Version. So let us listen for a word from God. I will tell of your name to my countrymen, in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord with awe-inspired reverence, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Fear him with submissive wonder, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised nor detested the suffering of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he listened. My praise will be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows made in the time of trouble before those who reverently fear him. The affected will eat and be satisfied. Those who dilig diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need will praise the Lord. May our hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down and worship before you. For the kingship and the kingdom are the Lord's, and he rules over all the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust, the dead, will bow before him, even he who cannot help, who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him, 
They will tell of the Lord to the next generation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you today to praise your holy name. As we gather in worship, let our voices rise as one, not in a chorus of despair, but in a symphony, symphony of hope and praise. You have heard our prayers as we open our hearts to your healing touch. Grant us the strength to endure our trials, the courage to face our fears, and the wisdom to see your light even in the darkest moments. Fill our hearts with gratitude, not only for the blessings we receive, but also for the strength that comes from knowing your love surrounds us. May the stories we share, the songs we sing, the prayers we offer become a testament to your enduring presence, a beacon of light in the world, and a reminder that even in the depths of our struggle, we never are truly alone. In your holy name we pray, amen. Uh, as I invite the kiddos up for our spark moment, I'd also like to say thank you on behalf of the children. Come on up, guys. Um, for the donations for the Easter egg hunt, you guys, I asked for eggs, and you guys decided to pelt them at me. And currently we have almost 2,000 eggs, wow. which is an amazing blessing. Thank you so much for that. We can give 100 kids 20 eggs or 2,000 kids one egg. It's perfect. <laughs> Um, we currently only have candy to fill a couple hundred of those, though. So if you can bring your candy donations in as well, if you'd like to sugar up somebody else's kids and send them home. I understand that. It's fun to do. Uh, we ask for individually wrapped candy, no chocolate, and no lollipops. I forgot to say that before. They don't fit into Easter eggs, but I will eat them. My kiddos up here are going to help lead us in worship today. This is going to be a Sunday full of music. We recently started our Lucis Pequeñas uh, Children's Choir. It means little lights in Spanish. Uh, we reawoke it from its long COVID hibernation. If you were here before COVID, you might have remembered our little kids coming up to sing. It is now for all elementary students, and they are going to help lead us in worship, hopefully once a month up here. Today, they're going to be singing, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, which we've done for VBS, and it reminds us that God walks with us through life, that Jesus is with us all the time, and we can take his lessons and use them every single day. So they're going to stand up and sing for us, Okay.
Thank you, kiddos. We're going to exit straight out the back for Spark Worship and wait at the door. And if y'all have any elementary age kids that would like to join us, Lucis Pequenius meets from 845 to 9 on Sunday mornings in the Hill City Kids Room. Thank you, Jesse, and all our singers. What a wonderful gift that was of music today. We're going to pray together in just a few moments. Remember that you have this green card. If you have prayer requests that you would like us as your prayer team to lift, please fill that out and put it in the offering plate as you go by. Now, let us just take a few minutes to center our hearts on Jesus Christ. As we go before God in prayer. Almighty God, as we gather today, we seek to worship you and worthily magnify your holy name. You know that too often we're drawn to comfort and security we cling to earthly desires and shy away from the challenges you present. Forgive us for our limited perspective and wavering faith. Grant us courage, like Jesus, to embrace your will, even when it contradicts our own desires. Lord, hear our prayers. We ask you now, God, to be with those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Bring about your healing, hope, and peace. Lord, hear our prayers. Grant protection and mercy to all who face the brutal reality of war and violence in the world. We ask that you bring about peace. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would make us an instrument of your love, reaching out to those in need, carrying your message of hope and redemption to a world longing for light. Lord, hear our prayers. Guide us. Guide us to be your disciples, not just in name, but in action, sacrificing our comfort and needs for the service of others. Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray for strength. Strength in the face of adversity. We pray for wisdom to discern your will and for courage to walk in your footsteps, however difficult that path may be. Lord, hear our prayers. And now, O oh God, we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last Sunday, we spent some time in the wilderness. In this Lenten season, that was the first Sunday of Lent, and today is the second Sunday in Lent. And when we spend time in the wilderness... When we face troubles, and some of those troubles are not even of our own doing. We did nothing wrong to end up in the wilderness. Just like we remembered that last week by singing about Gilligan's Island. If you were here, you, you sang. We talked about a group of people who planned a leisurely three-hour tour on a boat ride and suddenly find themselves shipwrecked and stranded on a desert island. It was great how y'all joined me in singing that song together. 
If you missed it, you can always pull up the podcast. Every week we record the service, and you can go online to our webpage and select the podcast to listen to it again. The truth of the matter is that we will all spend some time in the wilderness, but we will make it out of the wilderness with Jesus as our guide and our hope, with God's help, with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the angels that God always sends to be with us for our care and comfort, we will make it through. If you're facing a wilderness wilderness experience right now, have hope. You will make it out of the wilderness because Jesus made it out of the wilderness and Jesus teaches us how to keep on keeping on in those times that are often filled with trouble and confusion and difficulty and pain. And to that I say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. So today, second Sunday in the season of Lent before Easter. There are six Sundays in Lent. It leads us up to Easter Day. And this week, the good news from the Bible story may not necessarily be considered really good news at first. As we read this and study the scripture together, it may feel a little bit like bad news, like sad news. The theme song for this week, if we faced the trouble that is coming, that is surely coming, to me, best fit the television show, Hee Haw. <laughs> if you know the song, sing it with me. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. I'm really glad to know there are other hee-haw watchers, because I I heard you singing it. So today, we're going to continue our journey with Jesus as he leaves the wilderness and he shares with us a story, a story of gloom, despair, and agony. He begins to tell us about self-denial and the cross. And this is a hard message. This is hard stuff. So we're going to read it together. You can use your pew Bibles in front of you from Mark chapter 8. Verses 31 through 39. That's the page. Oh, oh, what page is it? What'd you say, Connie? 919. Thank you. You're ahead of us in the game. So turn to page 919 or open your own Bible if you have it with you. You can also later find the parallel of this story also in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 26. And Luke has the same story, a little bit different in Luke chapter 9 verses 22 through 25. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible Version. So note the differences in the Bible versions that we're reading as you now listen for a word from God. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must of necessity suffer many things and be rejected as the Messiah by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and must be put to death, and after three days rise to life. He was stating the matter plainly, 
not holding anything back. Then Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. But turning around with his back to Peter and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for your mind does not set on God's will or his values and purpose, but on what pleases man. Jesus called the crowd together, his disciples, and said to them, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering, and perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake and the Gospels will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world with all its pleasures and forfeit his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul and eternal life in God's kingdom? For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. During a CASA Bible study, our youth CASA class this morning, Brian Herman and I got to play a rousing game of Would You Rather. <laughs> Have you ever played it? Oh, yeah. In this game, you get two choices, and you only get to pick one of the choices when you, we ask you what you'd rather do. For instance, two of the questions they got. Would you rather publicly stand up for your faith, even if it means ridicule, from your peers, or keep your faith private to avoid conflict. We gave him two minutes to talk about it and to figure it out. We gave him some time. Another question was, would you rather volunteer your time to help those in need, even if it means sacrificing your free time, or would you rather keep your priority on your personal activities and hobbies? Hmm. They had a few more challenging questions, and I am so proud of their responses. Aren't you, Brian? They really stepped up to the plate. The truth of the matter is that life is full of choices. We all get would-you-rather questions every single day, day in and day out, in a world that we live in mostly devoid of Christian values. Would you agree? And that is why we come to church. We come here to grow our faith muscles. We come here to more closely follow Jesus Christ and to learn how to make better, more informed choices in life based on our beliefs. In scripture today, Jesus is presenting some pretty hard words, some really harsh choices to his disciples and his followers as he candidly tells them what will happen if they choose to follow him. His would-you-rather questions may sounded like this. Disciples, would you rather pick up your cross and follow me 
or take the easy road, more destructive road? Would you rather face suffering, maybe even death, for your faith? Or save yourself, save your own life, even if that really means you lose it? Or would you rather not have to make no choices about your faith and keep on living the life you're living now? Would you rather? We all face these kind of questions every day. And it can be so hard and so challenging to choose the path that Jesus says will lead to the cross. Talk about gloom, despair, and agony. Now, the funny thing is, if you look at the verses right before the ones that we read today, and I know you're going to go back and read them later, we find Peter stepping up to Jesus, proclaiming Jesus to be his Messiah and Lord. He was so sure of himself. And just a few minutes later, in the next verses, we hear him rebuking Jesus. Rebuking means the act of strongly criticizing or correcting for something considered wrong or inappropriate. Peter rebuked Jesus. And then what did Jesus do? He turned his back on Peter faced the disciples, and said, Get behind me, Satan. How embarrassing. I confess to you, my siblings, that sometimes I'm just like Peter. Sometimes words fall out of my mouth before my brain is engaged. Ever happened to you? I call that running the mouth-itis. And I have it sometimes. One such time happened to me many, many years ago, but it remained so fresh in my heart and in my mind. It was when a dear friend of mine was in the hospital. He had suffered a bleeding ulcer, and he nearly died from it. It required immediate surgery, unit after unit of blood. And when I went to see him, he was pretty weak, but he was still on the mend. And he wanted to talk to me about death. You, you know the song he was singing? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Well, who could blame him? He had just been through this painful surgery, and he was facing the possibility of death. And when he wanted to talk to me about death, I immediately went into cheerleader mode. Anybody else do that? Oh, gloomy. We don't need to talk about death. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. The sun will come up tomorrow. Don't be so gloomy. You'll be okay. And I refused to talk to him about death. And we changed the subject, and I went on my merry way. It was probably about a week later when I got a call from his mother who said, Gary's ulcer started bleeding again. And he passed away today. And I felt miserable because I didn't have the courage, the fortitude, the strength in character to talk to him about what he needed to talk about. That really was the very first step in my path to ministry where God rebuked me, corrected me, and started me on a path of deeply listening. 
and having those hard conversations when people need to have them. Jesus rebuked Peter because, my friends, and because of Jesus' rebuke, I became a better pastor. There is hope for all of us Peters out there because we, like Peter, can learn and grow and accept and fully serve Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior as we learn to listen. Kairos has a saying, Carl, listen, listen, love, love. And this taught me to listen and to love. Talk about having a difficult conversation. Jesus, for the very first time, openly talked about what was going to happen to him. He told them directly, he did not mince words, that it must be necessary for me to suffer many things and be rejected as the Messiah by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and they must put me to death, and after three days, rise from death to life. And then he called the crowd together, his disciples, and he said to them, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself and set aside his selfish interest and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever comes in your path. Follow me. Jesus said, believe in me, conform to my example in living, and if need be, suffer and perhaps die because of faith in me. Now, if we look later down the road and you examine the life of the apostles, I think every single one gave their life to Jesus in some way or another. They certainly did through their activities. Now, the people that Jesus was talking to, the disciples, which are learners that followed him around. So there were, and then he appointed apostles. Those would be the ones going out to preach two by two. Disciples are learners, big crowds. And he had followers following him too. And he turned and talked to them about crucifixion. And at that time and place, under Roman rule, those people knew what he was talking about. They understood that crucifixion was brutal, humiliating, it was a horrible way to be executed. And the cross was not even in the picture when Jesus had this conversation. They had no idea why he all of a sudden brought up that he was going to die by crucifixion. That they were going to suffer. That there would be hardships to be a follower. Challenges, opposition, persecution for living a life dedicated to Christ. So taking up your cross, it meant unwavering faith, commitment to follow Jesus' teaching, even if it meant going against social norms, going against your personal desires, facing community disapproval. Taking up your cross shows a willingness to put your faith in obedience to God first. Over your own personal comforts and desires and worldly pursuits, it's about self-denial and willingly surrendering our own desires and our own needs to follow Christ. It means you have to put aside your personal agendas. It means embracing humility and service and love of others 
after the example of Christ. And it means accepting the cost of discipleship. When following him, it's not always easy or comfortable. It might involve facing rejection and ridicule and even physical persecution. By taking up the cross, disciples acknowledged the potential cost and they proved their unwavering commitment to Jesus. I wonder, I wonder if we had a warning label on our vows to church membership. Before you can join, you have to have warning. <laughs> Could you imagine a warning out there? Being baptized into Christ, community of believers may cost you. You will be expected to love God and love others, to forgive and be forgiven, to give freely and frequently, to be in prayer. Give your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And it may cost you to embrace these challenges and difficulties that may naturally arise by living a life dedicated as to Christian principles and remaining steadfast and faithful and true. Would you still be willing to take up your cross? I wonder how many people would say yes to those vows. After these difficult words that Jesus had, he continued in verse 35. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. And whoever loses his life in this world for my sake and the gospels will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. For what does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world with all its pleasures and forfeits his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul in eternal life in God's kingdom? For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory, a glory to his Father and with the holy angels. Jesus was incredibly upfront about what to expect as a follower and believer. Too often, when we are asked to be part of an organization, maybe even considering parenthood, employment, service in the military, any kind of service to the church. All we hear are the positive things. You know I'm not kidding. We're often told the most appealing and encouraging aspects of membership and commitment, but seldom do we hear about the challenges. Seldom do we hear the drawbacks. And when we say yes, we have no idea what to expect, especially when we hear all the positives and none of the negatives. You can ask almost any of your church leaders here, and they will tell you tales of how they were recruited into leadership, often by being told, not by me. <laughs> often being told, oh, you don't really have to do anything. <laughs> it's easy. It's just a title. Wow, were you fooled. <laughs> Being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires effort. It is just not joy and love and holding hands and singing kumbaya, although that is fun. Jesus was super clear that to undertake his work as apostles, as disciples, being called to the church as the church, 
His inner circle would eventually cause people harm. He didn't sugarcoat it. He did not pretend what would be required of them. And remember, this was Jesus' very first proclamation, prediction of the events that were about to happen now, one year away. Hmm. Even with the possibility of shame and pain and death, they did not run off. Originally, the followers of Jesus were called disciples or follower of the way. It was only later you can read in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where the term Christian was first coined. And if I'm honest with you, it was the pagans who called Christians the first Christians because they wanted to tell the difference between the Jews and the Christians. Originally, you were called a disciple or a follower of the way. And we who follow Jesus Christ as our son, or the Son of God and Lord and Savior, proclaim that with humility. Jesus was calling his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he's still calling his disciples today, us. And perhaps it's time for us to rediscover the challenge of being a disciple, a learner. Perhaps it's time for us to come alive in Jesus and hear his challenging words asking us to serve and to forgive and to love everyone. Maybe we need to hear the good news again and receive and act upon that thrilling invitation to follow him as a disciple. I'll leave you with one more song. You laugh now, just wait. It's called I Will Follow You by Rick Nelson. You might remember it from Sister Act. I will follow you. Follow wherever you may go. There isn't ocean too deep, a mountain so high it can keep me away. I must follow you. Ever since you touched my heart, I know that Near you, I always must be, and nothing can keep me, for you are my destiny. I love you, I love you, I love you, and where you go, I'll follow, I'll follow, I'll follow. You'll always be my true love, my true love, my true love, from now until forever, 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 I will follow you, wherever you may go. There isn't an ocean too deep, a mountain so high it can't keep, keep me from you. I hope that's your song today too. Amen? Amen. It's at this point that we look forward to our offering and I'm asked to ask why I give. Well, I give to help carry out the will of God in this church. Uh, I think we can each contribute. I, want, I also give to encourage others to join with me to help carry out uh, the mission of God in this world and the mission of Hello's Hills United Methodist Church to reach out as disciples to our community. So I thank you for joining me in that. Uh, the uh, 
Will ushers please come forward to receive our morning offering? Please stand for the doxology. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for calling us to step out of our comfort zones, to embrace the challenges of discipleship, and to join you even in the most unexpected places. As we answer your call, grant us courage to live as those who know your truth, that in and through you all things are possible. Bless these gifts and allow them to leave footprints of hope and love on the path of life in this church, in this community, and in this world, that others will find life and hope in you. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are sent forth into the world, you know, this costly discipleship that Jesus gave to us as a gift requires something of us. Um, I heard Brian this morning with the youth say to them that faith is nothing without action. So God requires something of you. And we challenged the kids to think about this coming week. What are they going to do for God? What are they going to see the need of discipleship in this dark, dark world and be the light of Christ. And I challenge you the same thing, adults. Look around you and see where God needs to be found in this dark, dark world. We do that, and we do a mission statement every single week. We probably have it memorized, right? Let's say our mission statement together. The mission, mission of, of Lotus, Lotus Hills, Hills United, United Methodist, Methodist Church, Church is to grow and nurture disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our community and the world. This costly discipleship is now up to you. It's your choice. Whether you receive it and believe it and follow this Jesus in a really hard path and then find grace and sanctification and healing and hope at the end of that path. If you are not a member of this church or a baptized believer and you'd like to join the church or be baptized, please come and talk to me anytime. You can come up after the service or you can call or write. That's why I told him last week, call me. We invite you to take this charge seriously. What a beautiful day in worship today. I'm so glad that you are here to hear this message and to praise God together. Go forth in the strength of this blessing that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us calling you to be a disciple. Will you follow? Let us go in peace.